0: Hello and welcome to I Wish I Wrote That Song, a podcast where we talk to songwriters and artists about themselves, songwriting, and a song they wish they wrote.
1: They'll then play a cover of the song for us at the end of the episode. I'm Keith Wyatt,
0: one of the founders of Indie Kitchen, an acoustic sessions website and a small record label based in Cornwall
1: in the UK. And I'm David Glover, a writer, record producer, a musician, and owner of Tesla Studios, a recording studio in Sheffield.
0: For this episode we spoke to Manchester band Pins, just before the release of their new album Hot Slick. We both first saw Pins at Sheffield's Tramline Festival in 2013. They were on a really cool bill with another of our
1: favourites, Skylarkin. As well as successful tours in their own right, Pins have had high profile tours with the likes of Maximo Park, Sleeta Kinney, Wire and Best Coast. We talked to Pins about launching their new album during a global pandemic collaborating with Iggy Pop, and of course, The Song They wish They Wrote, a song by Suicide, released in 1988. Head over to our website at
0: IWishIWroteThatSong.co.uk for more episodes and Spotify playlists of the songs featured or mentioned in the episode. Welcome to I Wish I Wrote That Song with Pins.
2: Heaven, hell, is all the same
0: Hi Pins, thanks for joining us.
3: Hi. Hi. Hello.
0: Hi, how are you doing?
3: Very well, thank you.
0: Maybe you'd like to introduce yourselves.
4: I'm Faith, I play the guitar and sing.
0: I'm Kyoko and I play bass.
4: I'm Lois and I play guitar and synthesizers.
0: Welcome to I Wish I Wrote That Song.
4: Thank you. Thanks.
0: So what have you been up to?
4: Just been making lots of videos because our album is out officially tomorrow and trying to enjoy bits of sunshine when I can and sit inside the house. Yeah, there's not much
5: to do on the lockdown, but we've been able to put all our creative efforts into um, the album release. So at least we've had something to really focus on and not had to do too much uh, gardening or chores around the house, (laughs) like everyone seems to do.
0: I guess it must be strange doing an album launch at this time, not being able to think, right, we're off on the road now, and actually it's adding a different facet to how you're having to go about it.
5: Yeah. I think we just thought let's just dive in and get on with it and see what happens. Like who knows, you know, it could be a huge fail or it could be just what everybody needs, a bit of music.
0: Well, I think that um people are listening to more streaming and more podcasts at this point, aren't they? So hopefully it's a good time. And it seems from looking at some of the sites that a lot of people are buying vinyl at home, you'll get a lot more pre oh, sales so. of the album. Let's hope so. <laughs> Is it um, it's Hot Slick, the album, isn't it? Yeah. Produced it with Rich Woodcraft. Yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah, he's done some really amazing albums over his time. He has. We
4: didn't know when we first started working with him,
0: though. Oh, we okay. We just thought it was just a really nice guy who
4: <laughs> we were working <laughs> with in the studio. And then, like, maybe after the first time we'd worked with him, we we're like, oh, we should see what else he's done. I was like, wow. <laughs> I, know I did in rainbows was the one I was like yeah, yeah. quite impressive, <laughs> to say the least.
0: So you've gone through some changes of personnel since the last album, and I guess the instrumentation has changed a little. How's that affected the way you approach the new album?
4: I mean, with regards that, we always sort of wrote by swapping instruments anyway. And we all play different instruments. And although it's like changed, I guess, outwardly and live, it kind of felt quite natural anyway. I mean, we would we would write with our own instruments, but sometimes if we got stuck, we'd all swap around or people just try different things. So really all that changed is Kyoko was on keys and she plays bass, but um, she's a great guitarist anyway, so um. no problem there. And then I went to do some synths as well as the guitar and we have Abby on the drums who is great and can play both synthesizers uh, on the drum pads and live drums as well so we just sort of rejigged how we were doing it and we started to introduce some more electronic sounds on our last album anyway so for us it feels like quite a natural
0: progression and natural shift. Do you write together in, in sessions or will one of you come with pretty, pretty much a finished song?
5: A bit of both really especially on this album. I wrote quite a lot just at home and then brought the songs to the girls and then we developed them.
0: As a band, you have something to say. I mean, I think that over the last few years, too much music's been fairly inane and hasn't commented on the times we're living through. Your music, you do comment on things like Serve the Rich, obviously, is fairly straightforwardly commenting on on the social situation we live through. How important is that for you to be seen to be commenting socially politically
5: it's not about being seen to be commenting on anything it's just what's actually going on in my life or in our lives at that time and it's just i don't know how you can write about anything other than
0: your own experience far too much music and also comedy i think over a number of years has just been too big and too inane i don't see how people can't write about the lives they're living
4: it's interesting you bring up comedy there, actually, because I I don't know of any new comedians that are, like funny in that way. Like I'm just thinking of Stuart mm. Lee specifically, or you know, like that sort of older generation of comics who were maybe more a bit like politically engaged. Mm. I don't know of any new comedians that are doing that. I mean, feel free to recommend any, but
0: I
1: can't think. I, of any- I
4: agree. I
0: think there's. People like Stuart Lee, I guess, and before that, even people like Ben Elton, who obviously were very political. But, you know, it seemed that um, comedians, a bit like bands, went from being political or playing smaller venues through to suddenly it was people playing Wembley Arena and it was just, it certainly wasn't social comment anyway. And I think Mm. that's a real loss.
4: Do you think that's what people, like the audience, want? Or do you think they're quite happy to have uh, escapism? I just wondered if it's a response to that. It's like, you know, if people sort of as they turn away from being politically engaged or not as interested or more stressed or more concerned about the state of the world then maybe you kind of when you go to art and music you maybe want something that takes you away from all of those worries.
0: So, how has um, social media affected how you act as a band? Then
4: we just have to make quite a lot of content all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the way it's affecting now. us the most. Yeah. Like I quite like being on social media. I'm not. I, I enjoy interacting with people on there um, in, in whatever way. But yeah, you find you sort of spend a lot of time having to not having to, but uh, you have to invest a lot of time making stuff to share
1: with people as well. So you're going to play ponytail for us? Yeah. Thanks, that was great. i interested in your label, House of Pins. You've like released Dreamwives on there and stuff like that. Is it, is it mainly something to release your own stuff or are you looking for new artists and looking to put more stuff out? What's the deal with it?
4: We started it when we wanted to put our first song out many, many moons ago and then we're basically releasing people like bands that we knew or bands we liked who had had their first release and just wanted to sort of help them out to do that and get the music out there. And then it sort of progressed into uh, we have self-released "Bad Thing," our last EP on there, and then obviously this album as well. I did message me the other day about doing another release, um, so we'll see if we we'll see if we get that together. But
1: I guess it's a lot of work on top of what you're doing anyway.
4: Yeah, because there's, there's the other side of it as well. Because we did used to do like press releases and try and help them push it and get premieres and you know like not just not just put it out but try and give them like. The other side of it as well, but because it got so busy doing pin stuff and touring, and you sort of lose a few contacts that maybe you had for the late for that house of pins label, that like that side of it, and yeah, it, it would be like it's like a sort of a, a we've been doing it for ourselves at this level, but it's like a case of building it all up again, I, I guess. And especially now, that whole side of the music well, the whole music industry has changed anyway, but all of that, like the, the press and the marketing side no one really knows what's going on with that at the moment or how it's going to be yeah. different
1: after. Because especially like a lot of the promoting of an album is touring it, isn't it, and stuff like that, and that being behind it and being in people's towns and being able to engage with people locally. But that's not there. It's like, well, I guess like you're doing content, aren't you? I guess the content becomes far but more that, important. See, that's the
4: thing. It's kind of saturated as well. Like, There's just so many people that have had to move to online to promote what they're doing. So, yeah, it's just it's a
0: very strange time. This podcast is called I Wish I Wrote That Song. How did you go about choosing your song?
5: It was a toss up between a couple of suicide songs, which is just one of our favourite bands collectively. Like, we all really like the band. And we thought that we'd be able to do a good version with it having like the 60s girl group harmonies going on. We thought it was something that we'd be able to do a good job
0: at. So, which suicide song did you choose? Surrender. <laughs> Did it feel approaching recording such an important song to you?
5: There's always some pressure if you're going to go and cover a song, especially if it's one that you admire because you don't want to do an injustice. But at the same time, I think if it's a bold choice, just go for it. There's always going to be those people that criticise the cover those people that, you know, it's got to remain true and all of that. But it really doesn't matter. It's a, a cover is about having some fun. And as long as you're having a good time and you're proud of what you've done, then I think that's all that matters.
3: Like, face said, some people could be quite critical, can't they, like the uh, mega fans? Like, I guess if you were to cover Mary Jane or whatever, but she is right. It's like, just because some people might think it was obvious or this or that, you can't just, you know, walk around eggshells in life and think you've just got to be like, well, I want to do that and I don't care. Yeah. It probably won't look obvious when
4: you actually done it. Because yeah. So, yeah. You, some, you often you can like hear you can hear how you do it. You when you when you're looking for songs to cover, when you listen to it, you think, oh yeah, I I can take that influence it's given me and I can put my spin on that and put it back into this song. So you sort of when you're scanning through things to lit to think, oh what what would I cover? It's some, sometimes it sort of jump out or you know straight away because you can hear how you'd how you'd reinvent. That track. It was kind of
0: interesting that you chose Suicide as a band, in that one. I think obviously they were one of the first bands really to be have the name punk kind of attached to them, weren't they? I think um, I think it came from a Lester Bangs article, and in some ways, kind of as an attitude comes across in pins.
4: I think it's about the sounds as well, though. So like, it's like saying like the energy or the sounds, and they have been an influence for a while. Like certainly since the Wild Nights album, like I'm not sure if I knew about them before then, but they've definitely been an influence for a long time um, but yeah it's like I don't know people talk about like the end there's some of the same energy I think in some techno or some dance music as well that like carries through not that they're not that these that it's like genreless, but but um, there's certain energies and yeah sounds that I feel attracted to in all different styles of music um, but I think Suicide's really good at crossing over those boundaries and bringing in different elements
0: obviously you've worked with Iggy Pop um, and he's obviously a big big supporter of you um, how did that come about?
5: The collaboration with Iggy Pop came about when we were in Scotland we made a makeshift studio to record our EP called Bad Thing, and one of the songs on there was Agrophobe, which I wrote the music for it quite a while beforehand and didn't have any lyrics and didn't know where to go with it and whilst I was in Berlin, I asked my husband if he would have a go at writing some lyrics over the top. So we had this piece of music, but we didn't have someone to do the spoken word over the top. And we'd all had a glass of wine and we said, Oh, who would we who would we really want to have on the record? And of course we said Iggy Pop because he's got the coolest voice in rock and roll. <laughs> And we just made a few emails, phone calls, whatever we could, just to try and get the message in front of him that we'd like him to work on the track. Yeah, and his, his manager said that he would put our email in front of Iggy and it was kind of up to him whether or not he decided to reply to us or if he ignored it or whatever, that was down to him. And luckily, he got in touch and he said he would do it. He recorded it. It was like a transatlantic relationship via email. He was in the studio over there. And we were actually on tour when he sent through the vocal. Uh, We were in Southampton, I think. And we were all just like huddled around my phone, listening to Iggy Pop's voice coming out. It's like singing the song, you know. Yeah, it was really cool.
6: I am always surrounded, always alone, and I only think in rhyme in time. I'll visit you, so you best be careful. It's only
0: 30. The one, uh, just as a complete aside, one thing that um, struck me a while ago uh, with everyone just listening to stuff on Spotify or on iTunes, and so many people seeming to listen to things on shuffle. People would just latch on to one song by a band and then for a few weeks and then move on to another song by a different band. Was the thing that really worried me was actually about the not necessarily loss of craft because I'm sure the bands involved still were putting that craft in, but the lo- loss of an understanding by fans in general of actually the effort that goes into structuring and putting an album together when people are just listening to an odd song in a stream of whole loads of other odd songs, you know, the craft behind putting an album together itself is such an important thing in music.
4: I mean, I I kind of just want people to enjoy listening to it. So I'm if someone as a favourite song they want to listen to 50 times or if someone's like, you know, you went, sometimes you're doing something else, you got music on in the background and you're suddenly getting the vibe of what they're doing. I, th- I still think that's a brilliant thing. I know what you're saying about putting an album together and the thought that used to go in it. And like we uh, we listened to, we did a Tim's Listening Party the other day with Wild Nights and we'd done, I um, actually totally forgot till to, we got right to the end, but we did one of those lock grooves at the end with like a backwards recording in it and that's you know you might lose things like that or like the hidden track that people used to do on cds but i, I don't see that as such a such a great loss personally but i to to speak to everybody
5: i like having something that goes from start to finish that just takes you on that journey i'm always looking for the perfect album mm. okay so a really good example of an album that i think is perfect, is uh, Let Love In, the Nick Cave album. But, you know, it has that reprise at the end. Like, it's all joined together, it's all one piece, and then he kind of replicates that in the live show. That's just something that I really appreciate and think is really cool, and it's a shame to lose that kind of thing.
3: I was say, uh, I feel like the best decade for that, because the thing is, I think, like, in the 60s, they were still coming out of that just releasing singles thing and to sort of structuring albums. And then in the 70s, I think that's when it was like, you've got the, like the, the best. In terms of what you are saying, like albums, you know what I mean? Like as a piece of work. Like I was reading the other day, my friend was um, just saying on Facebook about Marvin Gaye, what's going on and saying that that as an album is perfectly structured from start to finish. But it's like political and it's emotional and it's, you know, beautifully recorded the production I, that's what I mean, that, you know, that's what you're kind of saying, isn't it, the art of the album.
4: I was just going to mention um, BC Campsite's new album shortly after Takeoff, contrary to what I just said about listening to one song here and there. It's the first album I've heard in a really long time that it sort of takes you on a journey and the songs are almost in order, like in time order of him telling this story, but it just does it so well. You can listen to them all independently, but I just, I don't know, I'm just really taken with that and I keep listening to it
0: a lot at the moment really good album like you said before that you know sometimes you just want a one-off song and sometimes you want the whole story behind an album I mean, it's the same way sometimes you want to read a, a really interesting very intellectually stimulating book and sometimes you want to just read a rubbishy magazine I mean, well
4: there's like the other side of it as well is like there's another band um, Tropical Fox Stop. when I listen to them I don't pick one song or one album and literally listen I think I'm going to probably put this on for three hours or something <laughs> So, yeah, I guess there's just also, there's just different ways that you can listen to stuff now and for different reasons.
0: listening there will be a spotify playlist on our website after this uh, with links to a lot of the music that we talk about so you mentioned that you had a bit of a list going on of songs that you might have chosen what other songs are on the list
3: i thought it might be cool to do a kind of electro version a, f- a fun electro version of um get it on by t-rex i thought that would have been quite fun and then <laughs> we all. also said can't hear anybody can you hear me Ooh.
4: hello you're breaking up cogs
3: hello hello
4: hanging on the telephone ironically also uh, kyoko also
1: <laughs> <laughs> it says on that like, the press that is that you work with dean Horner.
4: yeah yeah Harner, yeah, dean Harner,
1: yeah. Harner. on the press it says Horner, but i'm sure, I was sure it must be dean Horner like um from moon landings and eye monster yes.
5: Yes, so we went to Sheffield just with the idea to develop a few of the songs. We had three songs in mind at the time, just to have a go in a different studio. So we went to the, at the time it was the Fat White Family's studio, uh, hence why Nathan ended up being involved. And um, we just had a really good time, just going crazy on the synths, you know, just it was a bit of a madhouse and any idea goes.
4: My favourite bit as well was um, ditching the synthesizers and just getting a big bit of sheet metal from the uh, the car workshop next door and hitting it with a metal pipe to get some sounds. So sort of one scale, like all the technology down to absolutely none. Um, I think that's on After Hours, that sound. It was just really fun and we ended
5: up taking the work that we did there down to London and developing it a little bit further to be the songs that they are now but yeah I'd say that uh, Dean definitely has a had a big influence on on those tracks.
1: So Pins you're going to play Surrender for us?
4: Uh, Yes we are I hope everybody enjoys it
6: About you
2: I surrender I surrender To you I surrender I surrender To you I surrender. Love isn't easy to find, I'll stay, for you, I'm trying hard baby, too tired to fight, for you, I surrender I surrender
0: thanks very much for joining us thank you so much it's been really good chat no
4: problem thanks for having us be nice to chat yeah cool hi this is pins and you've been listening to our episode of i wish i wrote that song featuring surrender by suicide the hosts were keith wyatt and david glover If you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a review with your podcast provider, share it with your friends and shout about it generally. Thanks for listening.